Дорогие братья и сестры, друзья, приветствую вас во имя Иисуса Христа. Я очень рад все вас видеть здесь сегодня. Я тоже рад знаю Бог здесь. I um, just said, dear brothers and sisters, loved ones, friends, we greet you in the name of Jesus. We're glad to see you all here. And we're especially glad to know that God is here. And I believe today that God is here. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here myself. And so today we uh, we are here to magnify God, magnify Jesus. And there's so much that God wants to share with us, and we want to be open to Him. Um, I'm a human being just like yourself. It, it, uh, I, I get a little scared when I first come up here, and I I need to get get myself loose and get myself uh, free of that because uh, I, I I only I can only speak as God gives me what to speak. And I told Brother Dale this morning, I said, Dale, while you were preaching, I said, I really got spoke to you. And I said, I thought in my heart, oh, if I could only preach like Brother Dale. And, uh, and then I got to thinking, I said, it's good, it's good that Dale preached. It's good to preach what he did because it, it makes, it shows me what I am. And, and, and to know what I am, and yet to know that there's one who would like to give a message I believe it's where we need to be, is that God can give the message, that we don't give the message, but God gives the message. And, uh, and so today our message is, uh, is being born into the family of God, born of the Spirit. It is one of the concerns I have, and one of the deep concerns I have in my heart is because of some of the things I've seen in the past. It's been very much of a struggle to me. In, in times after I became a Christian, and I knew that when I came to Jesus, that it was, it was giving my all to Him in order to, to be born into His family. And, and I looked around and I saw people in the church. And, and I wondered, why? How can they come to church? And how can they live the way they do when they've come into contact with Jesus? And they saw themselves lost and, and, and going to hell. And they come and they found Jesus and saw the wonderful blood that was shed on Calvary and saw that He would deliver them from sin and hell. How could they be the same anymore? And as a real, as a burden on my heart, I said, how can people be the same and go on and live the way they do? And, and, uh, and then I said, what, what's the answer to this? And in different times through, through, through my life, God has spoke to my heart and He showed me a little bit why this is. In, in the last eight years, I've been over in, 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 in uh, Ukraine, about eight years I've been there, and God has given me some rich, rich blessings through that time of being in Ukraine. Before I went to Ukraine, uh, as a young boy, uh, after I became boiled again, uh, when Jesus came to my heart, I wanted to tell the world about Jesus. And, and, and I would talk to people as a young boy, and I remember some of these old hard-hearted sinners on the job out in construction. And they look at me and I can see tears run down their face when I talk to them about Jesus. I suppose they wondered, how can it be that a young boy like that could speak about Jesus? And I think they realized that there was something took place in my life. And I want to tell you something today. When Jesus comes to your heart, it'll make a difference. And I, I was I was a young boy. I was a kind of boy that, 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 that people thought I couldn't talk. I would go hide in the corner. But when I came to Jesus and I found Him, that my life changed. And people said, is this the same person? And the reason being was, Jesus came into my heart. What should I say today? Let's turn to Ephesians. 
the second chapter for basis for our message. Before I came here, it seemed like when, when God wants to do a mighty work, that Satan always tries to hinder God's work. And I've had a number of revival meetings, evangelistic meetings over the U.S. and different places in other parts of the world. And it seemed like when God wants to do a mighty work, Satan tries so hard to, to, to disturb it or keep it from happening. But almost every time that he does that, the thing that he tried to do to try to keep revival from taking place actually was a stepping stone and was a help to what God wanted to do. Now you look at you look at the cross and you can think about the cross. That's exactly what took place. Satan thought that by crucifying Jesus that he would destroy the work of Jesus. But instead of that, there was, there was a wonderful thing took place that all of, all of us could have the privilege of being invited into the family of God. That our sins can be taken away. We can be delivered from that awful place like hell. Before I came, about a week ago, I was feeling really good. And, and uh, my health had been, had been in decline for some time. And, and the doctor said I had a serious uh, situation in, in my body. And I prayed about it. And I believe God brought healing to my body. And, uh, and, and I was doing very well. But here just about a week ago, uh, you know, I've known this I was going to come here. Just about a week ago, I got a real bad case of the chest flu. And it was so bad that I didn't know if I could even come and speak here. And I said, God, unless that you heal me, unless that you give me a voice, unless you, unless you intervene, I cannot speak. And so the day, praise God, He's given me the ability to speak an evil. I was down there in, in, in the building down there, and I, I need to go down there and cough a while to, to get this tightness out of my chest. I couldn't hardly breathe. And, and uh, Brother Dale came and he wanted to help me. And I said, Dale, just let me go. I said, let, just let me cough. I said, I, I just, I just want to get away from no, nobody hear me and just cough it out and, and get, get free of it. And then, then I can, then I'll be able to, uh, to, to preach. And he said, that's fine. He said, just, if that's what you need to do, and I, I just wanted to help you. But uh, I, I say today that we need to understand and realize our weakness. And when we do that, God is ready to, to show His mighty power. He wants to show it to us. So I'd like to read from Ephesians, the second chapter. <clears throat> and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked, Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2, wherein he, in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also ye all had our conversation in the time past in lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children even of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his, and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. <clears throat> Wherefore, remember 
that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in this world. And now in Christ Jesus, ye are ye who were who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition work between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the laws of commandment contained in ordinances. For he met for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in, in one body, by, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God, and are built, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, Groweth unto a, a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now here this chapter makes it very clear that we are built together. Those who, are, who have come to the place of repentance, we are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And I went to Ukraine here uh, uh, eight years ago. Um, when, I, when I first went there, and, and there was a church started, there was a mission there. And there was a, a lot of people who had responded for salvation. I want to give you a few little stories to bring out some of the points that I, I think is kind of a springboard to what I like to say today. But going there, there was a number of people who responded. Some old, older women there. And uh, me and the other pastor that had come over there, uh, he had done this not too long. We, we decided to go and speak to these people and find out what is your experience? How did you come to the Lord? And so uh, this one lady... Especially I remember her testimony. And she gave her testimony. I sat there and cried. She said, I heard about these people down here speaking some wonderful things. They said that down there talking about God, and they'll tell you how, that, how you can live for, how you can live and how you can get to heaven. And they'll make it clear to you how to find out or how to know. And she said, she decided she's going to go down there. And said, so she went down there on a Sunday and to find out what these Americans are teaching. So I went in there and I sit and I listen. And that day that preacher spoke about the plan of God. And she said, the plan of God? What is that? You know, you know, she didn't hardly know about God. The plan of God. And she thought, surely it must be something complex and something real hard. Something like the communists had, had developed and some kind of way of doing things and working things around. And, and so she said, I sit there and I listen real close. What is the plan of God? That's God. What's His plan? He said, she said, I sat there through all the service. She said, I never found out what the plan of God was. She said, so I, I, I thought well, I went down there one Sunday to find out what the plan of God was. Well, now what am I going to do? Because I didn't, you know, find out what these people say. I didn't, I didn't find out what it was. So next Sunday, she said, oh, she said, I went down there. And, and, and they talked about the plan of God, but I didn't find out what it was. And I should probably go back over there and find out what that plan was. And she said, you know, I didn't really want to go, but I, I, something just said, you didn't find out yet. 
She said, I went down there. She said, I sit there. And she said, I listened all through service. She said, I listened as hard as I could. And she said, I listened close as I could. She said, but I didn't find out what the plan of God was. She said, I went home. I was so upset. Oh, I want to know so bad what the plan of God was. What was the plan of God? And so she said, she said, so the next Sunday came and, and she thought, well, anyway, this is the last time. I didn't find out what, so I can't, I, I ain't going anymore. Next Sunday comes, she said, and I went anyway. She said, I, I just got so uneasy. I had to know what that plan of God was. She said, I went a third Sunday. I didn't find out again. And she said, the next Sunday's fourth Sunday. She said, I was so upset by the fourth Sunday. She said, she said, I said, I, I, I'm just not going to go. I, I ain't going to go anymore. I didn't, you know, I only tend to go there one time. She said, but well, it was almost time to go. She said, I said, I could not, I couldn't hold myself. I had to go down there. She said, I went to that, that day. She said, that day! She said, the preacher spoke. And he said, he spoke of the plan of salvation. He, she said, he made it clear and plain. One step at a time, exactly what needed to be done. She said, that day I found Jesus. She said, from that day to now, I am not the same. I have, I have set my heart on heaven. Now, I'll tell you something today. The thing that bothers me is, and I think a lot of people, they go to church Sunday after Sunday, they go and they listen, they, 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 they fulfill their, their duty, they have their, their benches, they sit on, they sit in the same places, they listen just like they did every Sunday, but they never truly find out what the plan of God is. And I believe that's the reason that we're not experiencing revival today, because the Holy Spirit has not come in people's lives and changed them like a new creature. They have not come to the place to realize what they are, that they're, that they're, 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 they're filthy, wicked sinners. And one of the things I found out in preaching in revival meetings, I go and I preach and I tell, I tell our people that you're sinners. I said, unless you've come to Jesus, you've given your heart to the Lord, you're a sinner, you're a black sinner. And you can, I can preach my heart out sometimes. And the people seem like, well, sometimes they'll respond and you go there and you try to counsel with them and they don't need to really know how really, uh, anything really bad that they did. They have a hard time getting people to realize that they're sinners. And I want to tell you something today. I want you to understand that unless that you truly come to a place that you have Jesus living in your heart and you've been born again, you've been born from above, born of the Spirit. I want to tell you, this is what John the Baptist said. I baptize you with water, but one's coming after me who's mightier than me, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And you go into Acts 1, and Jesus said, John the Baptist said, this is what John the Baptist was. He said, John the Baptist baptized with water. But you, he said to them, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I think sometimes people get the idea of the Holy Ghost is some this ghost is something out in the in the in the uh, cemetery somewhere floating around a cemetery or or uh, the Holy Ghost is something oh he's king you gotta be careful what you say about him he, he's something over there somewhere abstract they don't understand what the Holy Ghost is I want to tell you now uh, Brother Dale spoke about the heart of God and I believe the heart of God was that he wanted to give his Spirit to come back down and live in our heart it's the Holy Ghost it's God Himself. He wants to live in your heart. He wants you to be His dwelling place. And I will tell you something else. And I was over there in Ukraine. I went through a lot of hard times, a lot of times praying. I said, I, I learned how to pray over there. I, I sometimes prayed almost all night. One of the things, one of the hard parts was, is, is I, when I went there, I was about 50 years old. And I wasn't a scholar when I grew up. I wasn't a quick learner. And I forget pretty easy. And I can't hear too good. And I go over there and it's, that language is next to the hardest language in the world. And I said, God, 
Unless you give me the gift of the tongues. Unless you give me the ability. I cannot speak to these people. I can't be any help to them. And God did a wonderful work in my life that I could speak with people. In that Russian language, a terrible hard language to learn. But I learned to pray. And, and, but the one thing I wanted to say was, as I, I, I tried to get the people to come to church. And, and I was sent off to a remote area to preach out of this remote area, two hours from the capital of Kiev. And, and way out in this place, a, a little village, a little poor village, and there to preach to people about Jesus. And, and I went there, and, and, and I preached there. And, and I preached at this community center. Three women gave their hearts to the Lord that day. And, and one of them was, a, was one of the head nurses of, of the village. She was, a, she, was, she was kind of like a, almost like a lawyer or like a judge in the village. She had a high authority in the village. She responded. And, and so they said, our mission said, you need to start a mission there. And so they, they, they decided to send us out, our family out there. And we, we moved out in this, in this place. People said, you're crazy. You go out there and say, Americans can't live out there. It's cold up in the northern, the northern region. And they got those cold houses and said, you're going to freeze to death. I said, I, I, I was never so cold in all my life. I said, when, after I lived out there, well, I told this way. I, I didn't tell those people. I, I, but when they told me I couldn't go out there, I, I just said something like, if those people can live there, I can live there. And so when I moved out there, well, I, I just almost wasn't too sure if that was true or not. Because we got so cold. I, I was so cold sometimes. And those people knew how to put on three or four or five layers of clothes. And they could, they could, they could go and they could sit in their house with a bunch of layers and, and pull a blanket over them again. But we didn't know how to do all that. You know, we, we got in that house and there was plastic all over the windows. You couldn't see out and it was dirty. And so we went and pulled all the plastic off. Well, that was foolish. But we got so cold we might nearly froze. And, and I got so cold sometime I said, I told the family, I said, we're going to go out in the car and start it up and make it warm and, and, and get it real good and hot and soak it into our bones so, so we can get warm again. And so we'd get warm in the car and then go back in the house again. But the thing I want to say, I wasn't going to say all that, but, but we, we, I, I tried to get the people to come to church. And, you know, and, and when we first went out, oh, they were all excited to come and start a church here. And so we went out there to start this church, and, and the people didn't come. Only just a handful came. And I was only preaching to maybe three, four, five people. And, and I said, uh, and I'm not a person that likes that very good. I, I think all those people, all of them need it. And I, I said, well, God, I said, how, how am I going to get these people to church? And, and I, I had an interpreter, and I asked the interpreter. He was a Baptist, a young Baptist boy. And I said, Jenny, I said, there wasn't Jenny, it was Vanya, another, another one of them. I said, Vanya, I said, what, what's it? How do you get the people to come to church? And he said, well, we had this problem one time. And he said, he said, I, he, he said, we, we just, we decided to start working with the children, the children off the street. So we started calling the children, talking to the children, like Jesus did. And, and go out and talk to them and be friendly to them and, and give them some candy and invite them to church. And so we started doing that. And, 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 and after a while, well, the children started coming and, and more and more children came. They, they let go home and say, Mama, yeah, that's the best place in the world to go. You need to go over there. That, that's exciting. It was warm over there. And it's, you know, all kinds of things to tell them. It's nice to go over there, to that American church over there. So they, they started bringing their, their family. But it seemed it always was kind of blocked. It, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't, seemed like I wasn't getting through the people. I could preach my heart out. And they'd sit, they'd sit on the edge of their benches. You could see them. They're red in their face. And, and they, they wanted to respond, but they wouldn't respond. I said, what's the problem, God? God, why aren't these people responding? I just, I was just begging God. I said, what shall we do to get the people to respond? And then, 
And then one day, as I, I was thinking in mind, you know, you need to go out there every week, and you need to talk to people house to house. You need to meet meet all these people every week and get them, you know, to know that you really care about them. Get them to come to church. So I went out and tried this, you know, and one, this one man I noticed, I was driving to the village, and he came out, and he looked, oh, he looked evil. He had a big black beard. He had real black eyes. His hair grew way up here, a big black beard like that, and and he, he looked like a wild man. And the people, they call him, you know, like a demonic man, crazy. And, and I'd wave at him and smile, and he'd look at me like, who are you, you know? And, and I, uh, I didn't know whether I should wave at him again or not. So anyway, uh, I, I kept on. When I'd go through, I'd see him. He'd look at me, you know, I'd, I'd see a wave and smile. But uh, he, he didn't give me no friendly look. I was a little scared of him. One day, uh, one Saturday, before church, before the, you know, on Saturdays I'd go out and t- remind the people, you need to come to church. I drove out through there and hear this man coming. Here he's coming. He was wa- waving his hand like this. And he, he come out toward the road and I, and, and I stopped. And he said, uh, uh, I said, uh, could I help you? He said, he was, he was trembling away. He said, yeah. He said, he said I, I, I need help. And I said, what kind of help do you need? He said, I, I, he said, I got an evil spirit in me. He said, I got something evil. It means I, he, he torments me all the time. He said, and I need help. And I said, well, sir, I, you know, without, without an interpreter, I can't very well help you. But tomorrow I'll have an interpreter. You come to church? And I said, I'll, help you. I'll, I'll speak with you. So the next day he came. I'll try to make it as short as I can. The next day he came. And, and he came to church. Sure enough, he was there in the back of the church. And after service, he came up there in front of the church. And he came up there and he said, I, I want help. So I, 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 I took him there. I, mean, I sat down there with him, and I spoke with him. I said, I, I told him that, that there's an almighty supreme God who created everything. And I said, he gave his son Jesus into the world to die for the sins of the people because they sinned against this God. They were separated from God. And because of that, the devil tormented people. And I spoke to him there. I, I, I shared to him the way of salvation. And I explained the, 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 the way that God works. And there I spoke to him. I finally said to him, I said, Sasha, I said, do you, want, do you really want deliverance? Do you want to surrender your whole life to God? you want to give it over to Him? I said, you open your life, you give it to Him. I, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I said, He died on the cross for your sins. And I said, He shed His blood. And I said, that blood can cleanse all of your sins to take them away and drive those evil spirits from your life. I said, you want to do that? He said, yes, I do. So, we, so I got down there with him and, 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 we, and me and the bishop, we, we knelt down there with him and, and, and I led him in, in a sinner's repentance, a prayer of repentance. And I first went through each of the, each, each of the things he'd be saying. I said, you, you believe that? You want to do that? Yes, I do. So I went through that with him and we prayed with him there. And then, then we prayed and we said, oh God, deliver this man from this evil spirit. Bring your Holy Spirit and drive him from him and, and dwell in his heart. And when he got up from there, I looked at his face and I saw something I never saw before. It was so glorious. I saw the glory of God. As I looked in his face, when he came up there, he had a face. His eyes looked like a viper's eyes. He had, his eyes were flashing. But when he got, when he, after he repented, after he gave his heart to the Lord, and he got up from there, his eyes looked like a dove. It looked so beautiful. What a wonderful experience. But as I walked away from there, the people had gone out as we was walking down the aisle there, he's walking ahead of me. I had a visitor. I had a visitor. And it's Satan himself. And he said, you didn't see anything. You didn't see a thing. 
And I got to think, maybe I didn't. Maybe it was just my imagination. And, and just about time, I just just about to, about to believe what he was saying, what the Satan was trying to tell me. My interpreter only bought me. He said, did you see his face? I said, I sure did. I sure did. Hallelujah. Praise God. I saw his face. And from that day to now, I remember that. Did you see his face? Yeah, I saw his face. Sure I did. He had the glory of God there. And I will tell you something so tremendous, dramatic was that change that when he went back home, the people of that village were saying, did you hear what happened to Sasha? The crazy man. He's no more crazy anymore. He's perfectly sane. He, he's, he, he's, he's just like anybody else. He's just normal as can be. He don't smoke anymore. He don't drink anymore. He don't curse anymore. He's completely delivered. It happened up there at the American church up there. You know what happened? The next Sunday, that church was full. People just crowding in there. They, people were saying, they were saying well, we built, I, I can't tell you everything that happened. I'm just going to tell you just briefly, just as fast as I can. But we built a pretty big sized building. And, and someone come out and they said, I feel mighty sorry for Brother Lloyd here. Such a big build, building and nobody to, to be in there. But God knew about all that. And God knew how to fill it. And he filled it up. And people come there. But the bad part about it was, is this is the thing I'm, I'm working up to a point, brothers and sisters. It's something I want to tell you, something very serious, very serious. People started to come. They come by the droves. And, 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 and as, I pray, as, as I was preaching, the people just sit there spellbound. And I'd say, I'd say, you need to repent. You need to give your heart to the Lord Jesus. You need to surrender your all to Him. And I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sin. And I said, you'll, you'll wash all your sin away. You'll surrender your life to Him. And I said, you'll have a new life, a better life. And as I preached, they'd sat there. You could see Him just, you could see Him just fighting a battle. They were fighting a tremendous battle. In that village, there was what they call, all of Ukraine is considered Orthodox. Eastern Orthodox. Regardless of what you did, you're still, you're still God's uh, child because under communism, they wanted to believe that. They baptized the babies. And so now you're, you're a Christian. You never went to church. You don't even know who God is. You don't know anything about it, but you're God's. You belong to God. And so they said, the priest told them, said, you need to stay away from that church over there. That man's going to get you deceived. And he said, and if you, if you go up to that church and you die, he said, I'm not going to bury you. You know what that meant? It meant if he didn't bury him and put that white piece of paper on their head, they're not going to have no entrance into heaven. So that scared them real bad. And the neighbor said to the other neighbor, you go over there and you go to that church and you, and you, 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 you uh, uh, oh, what do you call it, uh, walk against uh, your wonderful uh, forefathers or whatever that, that we're going to denounce you. You're not going to be our friends anymore. It's so that they're set and they wouldn't respond. So finally one Sunday... I was praying. I said, God, because why don't these people respond? Why won't they come? And all of a sudden, it hit me to say something. I said, folks, I said, I've been preaching here. I said, I see you under conviction of the Holy Spirit. I said, you're not coming. And I said, and I, and I, don't, I don't know exactly the reason, but I said, maybe you're here and you really like to repent. You'd like to come, but you're scared of everybody else. You're scared of everybody. And you're your friend of people. And you don't have the strength in yourself to come up. You really want to come, but you can't come. You can't make yourself come. And I said, Satan's got you bound and you're tied down in your seat. You can't come. I said, if you, if you want to come and you want to raise your hand, I'll pray that God will give you power to come. And by that time, a bunch of our hands went up like this. And I said, stand to your feet. And I said, oh God, 
I said, God, you saw those hands reaching toward heaven. Oh, Father, I said, give them strength to come to you. Then as I prayed there, I thought, that, that did it. And so I was real close to me. I said, next Sunday, they're going to come. These people are going to come. They're not going to be bound anymore. But no, what? They jumped in. They started coming. And I almost ran up there. There's a whole group of them up here. So I got there. I said, I began to speak to them. I began to tell them what it meant to be born again and what you need to do. And then there I prayed with a whole group of them here. Oh, I was really happy. I was really happy. Praise God. I was just on, on cloud nine. But the battle was just begun. And this is the point I'm getting at. They, they, they come, I believe, uh, probably moved by emotion. A lot, a lot of you today are probably moved. You see me crying. You hear me shouting because you, you believe I'm, I believe what I'm saying. You believe I, I'm really serious about it. And you, you might be moved emotionally. I hope you're not just moved emotionally. I hope you're thinking with a conscious mind and thinking about the direction you're going. Are you truly born again? Have you really surrendered your all to the Lord? Well, so, they started coming and coming and coming. In, in over a year's period, it was over like over a hundred people responded. And, and the church was, you know, just too full almost sometimes for people to get in there. And so, they went to instruction class. And they were instruction class, but they, they, they just didn't want to surrender to the church. They didn't want to make that complete all the way surrender. Because, you know, still they were fighting. They were still fighting with probably fear of people, what people might think. And they weren't surrendering themselves. They weren't becoming members. They weren't into the corporate body of Christ. They couldn't understand the work of God. It's the bride of Christ. Jesus come from the bride of Christ. It's not one person. And God is working together, drawing man to himself, drawing together to him. Not just by yourself. You can't live by yourself. And if you think you can be a Christian and live by yourself, you're mistaken. Because that's not the way God intended it to be. It talks about being here. We, we are, we are drawn together, made to sit together in heavenly places, sit together in heavenly places, and we experience wonderful blessings sitting together. And, uh, anyway, and so, so I, 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 I see these people coming, and, and they're, they're coming under emotion. And finally I tell people, I say, no, wait, wait, folks. I give invitation. I don't want you to come up here. I don't want you to come up here unless you truly, you saw yourself as a sinner. You saw, you saw the price you're going to pay. You know that your friends are going to turn against you. You know all these things. And you say, God, regardless of what, I set my heart on you and I give my all to you. I surrender my life to you. I said, unless you want to do that, don't come up here. Don't come up here. I'll tell you, my friend today, I think there's too many people making commitments. Just making commitments. They're not really coming to the Lord, not experiencing the gift of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their life, that they're floundering through life. I'll give you an example. The rich young ruler, he came to Jesus. He was a good man, a pretty nice man, pretty good man, rich and nice, and he kept all the law. He came to Jesus, and I think he knew down down deep inside, he knew there something wasn't right. He knew it wasn't right, but he didn't, want to, he didn't want to admit to himself. Something wasn't right. He was floundering in his life. He was miserable. He wasn't happy. And he said, Jesus, what do I need to do? Jesus said, do you know the commandments? He said, yeah, I sure do. I know the commandments. He said, I've kept them all. I kept every last one of them. But he didn't. He didn't keep the first one. I want to tell you, make that clear right now. And I think a lot of people think they kept them all. But you didn't keep the first one. 
if you didn't, if you're not, your life is not completely surrendered to the Lord, you didn't keep the first one. And, and so, Jesus said, one thing, one thing you lack, go sell what you have. Sell it all, every bit of it, and go give it to the poor. And it said, you know what it said? He went away, he was very sad, because he had lots of possessions. I want to tell you, friends, I believe a lot of people go away, and they're very sad. A lot of people go away and they're very sad and they wonder they struggle in life and they struggle through life and they're not happy and don't know why. I'll tell you why. They didn't sell out to Jesus. They didn't sell out to Jesus. I want to tell you what. There's wonderful blessing waiting for you, my friend, if you haven't experienced the, the, uh, the, 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 what they call, Jesus says, the more abundant life. You, you don't experience more and more abundant life. You know why you don't? Probably because you haven't kept the first commandment. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm such an emotional person. Yeah, I hope you don't I'll, I'll overlook that, but I'll tell you that from my heart, I want to tell you that I'm concerned about the direction of our people. What's so sad about this? The heart of God is that He wants to live in your heart. He wants to make His dwelling place there. But you won't let Him. That's the sad part. If you haven't. But if you have, praise the Lord. We come together in services. We come and the preacher preaches. He preaches wonderful messages of how we should live. We sit there and nod our heads. Do we? Do we, do we, are we really enthused about God? I'll tell you, I, I, I've struggled sometimes with that. Satan, he tries, he tries to make me lose, lose my attention on what's right. But I think that if we love God and we seek after God, then I believe that we will be more involved in the church of Jesus Christ and the work of His serfs to go out and speak to other people and tell others about Jesus. When you know that you are lost, you realize, hey, I want to tell you something. When, I, when we're thinking about sin, in about new birth, in, in why is it that people don't don't experience the work of the of the Spirit in their life? I believe because they don't understand the greater mysteries of God, and, and, and they're there to be understood. And I believe God would make you understand. He He doesn't, he doesn't want to keep anything from you. God is not the one to blind your eyes. It's Satan, the one who wants to blind your eyes. And so, if you don't understand and you're not grasping the greater truths of God. I will tell you, you need a, a, a deeper walk with God. You need a deeper understanding of God. And I'll tell you how you can do it. It's a simple way. I've got good news for you. There's a, there's a nice way to do it. You start looking at your life. You say, God, search me. Look at my life. See what's wrong with me. Why, why don't I have the joy of the Lord in my heart? Why, why ain't I filled with your spirit? And he'll start showing you. Well, I don't, I don't love my brother like I should. That brother, he, he's, 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 such a, he's such a bully. Or he's, he, he's such a, oh, he, he's just hard to, he's just hard to be around. And, and so I, I, it's not that I hate him, but I just don't like to be around him. It, but really in your heart, you have a hate for him. You just don't want, you, you, you just can't understand the person. You can't, you can't want to bite him. Well, what do you do about it? He did something wrong to you. He did something, you, you, you feel like you, you can't hardly forgive him. Hey, do you realize that you've mistreated God or many times God tried to talk to you, you didn't even listen to him? You ignored him. 
You sinned against Him. But yet God is forgiving. He's long-suffering. He gives a meeting like this right here to speak to your heart. God wants to speak to your heart. He wants to tell you it can be different. And what you say is, God, you need to acknowledge and say, God, I haven't been loving you like I should. Please, Lord, help me to love you more. And God will give you love, a godly love in your heart. He'll start filling you with love. And you'll start feeling the love of God working up in your heart because that's what God does. That's His business. It's to give you love. And then you don't forget, you can't hardly forgive. You say, God, I've sinned against that brother, against you. Please, God, I don't want to make no more excuses. You help me to forgive that person. You, Lord, help me to love that person. And when you ask in sincerity, God's not going to keep you from having it. God's going to give you requests if you ask sincerely. He says in James 5, He says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. He doesn't keep it back from you. God's in a given in the given business. God's in a loving business. And, and God is not here to condemn anybody. John three sixteen and seventeen. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. That's what he wants to give you. He wants to give you life. And he wants to give you this life that's so lively. It's so lively, it's drawing you to the brethren. It's drawing you to other Christians. It's, it's drawing you to forgive the other brothers. You know that God forgave you for the wrongs you've done, the times you've, you've ignored Him when He spoke to you, you didn't listen to Him. You, he forgave you and He called you again. And He forgave you. You realize that God forgave you? Then you forgive your brothers. You forgive your sisters. You forgive them because you realize God forgave me. Why shouldn't I forgive them? I think a lot of things that happen in churches today... People, people are miserable. They, they, they come to church and, and they're not happy because they haven't come to God in sincerity and said, God, I've just plain been sinning. And I, I'm sick of it. I don't want to do it no more. I want to be yours, God. I want to be honest with you, God. Please, Lord, help me. Put your hands up. You need to God. Here I stretch my hands to you. And he's waiting for you. He's waiting to give you. He's just wanting to give it to you. Forgiveness. What do we expect when we come and we receive this new life in Christ Jesus? I'm going to tell you something. I want to make it a little bit more clear about salvation today. I keep I keep coming back to one point. Is this? Is that <coughs> we need to understand what what sin is? We need to understand that, and we need to have it clear in our mind. <coughs> Adam and Eve, I will make it short and clear as I possibly can. Adam and Eve, when they took of the fruit that they took in the garden, they didn't slap God in the face. They didn't throw their fist up in front of God's face and say, God, we're not going to listen to you anymore. They didn't rebel the way we think rebellion is, but they rebelled against God. And it was a wicked, wicked, filthy, nasty sin because they became indifferent to God. They became indifferent to their Creator. And they began to look around at other things and started to lust after things that, that were against God. And the devil said, 
did, did, did God say you'll die if you take it this food? She said, yes, God said this. She knew exactly what God was saying. But he said, no, no, you're not going to die. And I will tell you, Satan is still a Satan. He's always been. He's alive and he's well. I'm telling you right now. And I believe he's here right now today. And he wants, he wants to make you afraid to, to make a commitment to the Lord. He wants to make, make you afraid to say I was wrong. And he wants you to make you afraid to, to make that clear step out for Jesus. He don't want you to do that. And so he told, he told him, you won't die, but the day you eat thereof, you shall become as gods, knowing good and evil. Well, he's a liar. Because one thing, he told him part truth. He said, you shall know good and evil. Yeah, they already knew good. They, they didn't need to know more about good. They already knew good. But he, he didn't come on to say, you shall know evil. He said, you should know good and evil. And so she looked at the fruit, and she saw it looked nice. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people today. They look at the things of the world, it looks nice. And a lot of people, I read in sales presentations, how to, how to get people to buy. If it looks good, it's got a nice package on it. And, and you can tell them that this, this is really going to help you. And you look at it, one of the big things is how it looks. And, 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 they'll, and they'll take it. A lot of people take it because it looks good. And I believe a lot of us are tempted with that. What looks good in life. It was so much against God. But it looks good. And, and it seems so innocent. That, that fruit, I believe, looks so innocent. It looked like so good to eat. And, and they took of it. But the darkest hour of all history took place then. The darkest hour of all history. When they took of that fruit, they were separated from God. Why? Because they sinned. They only took of the fruit that they thought would make them a little bit better. We'd probably say, we'd, our excuse would be, well, they didn't really mean no harm. They, they just want to take the fruit because, it, well, it'd make them nice like God. But really, they sinned against God. It was so bad they were driven from the garden. And we've been driven from them ever since. And it was so bad that Jesus came to this world and died on the cross for our sins. That sin. If that was the only sin, I believe Jesus would have died for that sin. Of that, of that rejection of God, of, of obeying Him, simply obeying God. Have you obeyed God? It's so there they were separated from God. I said, I said already. I, I preached and I said, you say you probably think, well, you haven't been so bad, but have you always loved your parents? Have you obeyed your parents? Have you have you have you always you know uh, loved everybody like you should have? And if you didn't, you sin a filthy, bad, nasty sin. It's one that separates you from God forever. It won't, it won't be allowed in heaven. A filthy, nasty, black sin. And I think that's what we need to understand. Make sin what it is. Put it back where it is. It's not some just, oh, oh well, I didn't mean no harm by it kind of thing. It, it's a black sin. You know, uh, uh, Saul. Saul. He would get these animals. King Saul, you remember the story? He wanted to get these animals to sacrifice to God. But, but God was very angry at him. What would you think? Well, Saul wanted to be nice. He wanted, he wanted to bring those uh, sacrifice to God. So he wanted to be a nice person. Our excuses. We have excuses for those kind of people today. But God doesn't. God still don't have excuses for them. And I want to tell you something. When we stop making excuses... We'll begin experience what we, what we read here in Ephesians 2. Well, you'll begin to experience the quickening of your life, a, a, a aliveness. You won't be like the rich young ruler who's stumbling around through life and very sad. 
I think a lot of people, I'll say it again today, I believe a lot of people are very sad because they have not come to a place to surrender their all to the Lord. And if, if we'll surrender all to the Lord, we'll begin to experience a glorious presence of God in our life. I'll tell you what, I, could, I can give you example after example of, 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 the, of the work of the Spirit. It, 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 I realize I didn't cover this, this chapter very good, just on verse after verse, but it's right here. The things I've been speaking about is right here in this chapter. That we are, we are, we are, we sit together, we are built together. In the last few verses here, it talks about how that we, it says here, and it talks about, uh, we, you are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, Groweth unto a holy temple of the Lord. It grows together to a holy temple of the Lord, in, in whom all, ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Can you imagine that? That's a wonderful promise. That God would make His dwelling place inside of us. That God has chosen us in His heart to, to live inside of our hearts, to, to be, live inside of the church. That there'd be a fire there, that there'd be life there. That, 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 this glorious, glorious thing that God wants to give us, we can have it. We can have it. And, and I will tell you, there's a lot, lot, lot more experiences all through life, even after you surrender this, ma- this major first surrender. You've got some more surrendering to do. And each time you do it, the little songwriter says, each victory will help you another to win. I guarantee it to you. I know it to be a fact. But when you say no, and you keep saying no, our, our bishop, one of our old bishops, he said one time, he said something, and I don't, I don't ever forget it. But as a young Christian, there, there were some things that took place in my life that really, really brought me to my knees. And I really, I really wanted to, to know and make sure I was right with God. I nearly died at 13 years old from a health problem. And I was healed uh, you know, almost Im- immediately. But for a number of years, I was, I was laying in, in bed up and down, and, and my parents said, I was wrong, I'm nearly die. I was healed, and after that, I come to the Lord, and I gave my heart to the Lord. I said, God, I give my all to you. But after I gave my heart to the Lord, there were a lot of things that happened in my life, and, and I learned. What, one thing was, is, is, is I, I was concerned about being deceived and being lost. And how, I said, how would I know? How would I know that I wasn't deceived? and be lost in the day of judgment. How do you know that? And you probably ask that question yourself too. If you're really sincere, you say, how do I know? I'll tell you how you can know. You don't have to worry about it. But this bishop said, he said, the road to deception, listen closely, the road to deception is that one step you take against God is a step away from God to the road of deception. When you say no to God, when God has brought something to your attention in your life, and you say, and, and you know clearly what you should, what you should do, and you just you, you ignore it. You turn your back on it. You have made your step into deception, where you will think that you're okay. And if you keep on that road, you'll find yourself on day of judgment. He'll say, "I never knew you. Depart from me, you doers of iniquity." And you could live so close, right? So close to the kingdom, this close to the kingdom, but that's not good enough. You need to be inside, all the way inside, and you can be there. But uh, in order to be there, we need to we need to, we need to have the Spirit of God so dwelling inside our heart that the witness is there that we know we, we have we have the love for the brethren. It says they who are born again have a love for the brethren. They who are born again overcome the world. They who are born again, you know, uh, a number of things. They who are born again, those who are born from above, 
commits not sin. You, you can't keep on walking in sin and the old things you used to. When you become born again, your life changes. I guess time's close. Time's slipping away from us. But I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, God has so much more for us. And it's exciting. It's exciting, my friend. It, it, this, and Satan wants to make you think that if, if you give up and you sacrifice that thing that you didn't really want to do, then it's going to be so terrible. No, it won't. It won't either. It'll be so wonderful. You'll have such a wonderful, glorious uh, experience in your heart. You'll say, why did I ever resist God? May the Lord bless you and pray for me.